and welcome to episode 88 of the Worldwide Chelsea Podcast. It's your host, Matt, back again. First episode of the new year. Guys, hope you had a very good New Year's Day. Uh, hope a good start to 2022. Obviously, for Chelsea fans in general, it hasn't been a good year. Um, one game drawn and a lot of drama. But it wouldn't be Chelsea without a bit of drama. Um, today, we have a great guest on, a returning guest, Ryan Sears. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, man. Um, thank you for having me on the pod, first of all. And yeah, I believe this is my third time, um, I think, on the pod. So yeah, man, um, it's always good to be on and it should be interesting. Yeah, I mean, we've got some good topics to speak about, so we'll get straight into it. And unfortunately, we're going to go into straight negative news and talk about the absolute explosion drama that happened in the last few days regarding our Belgium striker, Romelu Lukaku. Um, first of all, before we get into the interview, what did you think of the last few days and how it's just gone from 100 to zero, from hero to zero? Um, I mean, when it first uh, broke out, I don't think it was actually as bad as it is now, you know what I mean? Because when it broke out, first of all, everyone got angry and stuff. Then we heard that there wasn't enough context and it'd be misquoted. So everybody kind of calmed down. But and then just the past couple of, of days, um, especially the, the last few, like it's just been quotes after quotes after quotes after quotes after quotes. And it's like, when is this gonna end? You know what I mean? And it's like, it, it, it's like it's not, it wasn't even one or two quotes that were taken out of uh, out of out of context and stuff like that, or were blew out of proportion. Like especially the one about uh, Lautaro Martinez, like stay there, and what's it called? I'll come to you and stuff like that. It's like especially after the way we 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 backed him. Like what's it supposed to mean? Um, what he said, and I think like it's created a lot of noise you know what i mean and he's essentially it was disrespecting tuple um and the club speaking about inter milan in that way and you know what i mean and how he wants to leave and when he's at a good stage at his career um which will probably be in the next couple of years it's disrespectful to the club and tuchel so i think the club and tuchel have handled it well um handled it very well by um not playing him against liverpool not having him in the squad and Let's see what happens against Spurs. For me, I personally want to see him uh, bench for a couple more games, but let's see what happens, man. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard for me because I, I, I've been a massive supporter of Lukaku and in terms of the whole Belgian connection as well. Yeah. It, 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 it would take a lot for me to go and not back him, but this interview, like, I was kind of like you for the first night, when it all started coming out, I kind of kept my mouth shut because I was like, I want to hear all the details before I make an opinion. I don't want to say loads of stupid things because there was a lot of very, as, as, as much as what Lukaku has said, there's been so many disrespectful, horrible stuff that I've seen, not just in public, for, uh, public tweets, but private chats of people that I've known for a while have been saying stuff like, oh, Lukaku is making me racist. And then, decides to spurt out racist crap and it's like no no matter what he says you don't no one deserves that uh, and i think there was a lot of horrible stuff that i saw on the timeline but some of the stuff that come out as you said day after day after day and you I, I, as you kind of said i was just thinking of the uh gif from our arsenal fan tv when is it going to end robbie <laughs> when is it going to end uh, and yeah i i just i can't i can't back what you said um at the moment, I don't even want to, him to apologise because, as I'll get into in a little bit, I think it's just going to be a PR spin. It's not going to be proper. Um, so I think, yeah, the, him being dropped is right. And I think def, I wouldn't want him to play against Spurs anyway because it's a whole Conte thing and Conte will know him inside out. So I don't think it'd really suit that game anyway. But I do think he needs to be out for a couple of games. But we will go into and go through each quote because there is a lot to go through and we'll kind of go through and see is there any is, is there any we'll, we'll try and go, be fair to them and go is there any sympathy is, is anything being taken out of over overblown a little bit or whether it's just we'll go, go through each stuff and kind of diverge it so starts off the interview all they say is how are you 
And then Lukaku replies, physically, I'm fine, even better than before. After two years in Italy, in which I worked a lot at Interf with trainers and nutritionists, physically, I'm fine. However, I'm not happy with the situation. This is normal. I think that the coach has chosen to play with another module. I just have to not give up and continue to work and be professional. I'm not happy with the situation, but I'm a worker and I don't have to, I have to not give up. I think the coach can play me more, but I have to respect uh, the choices he makes. I have to keep working and wait for my moment. We are looking for a module where he and I can find each other, a way to help the team at its best. He made a choice, but at some point I'll talk to him and we'll see the situation. Um, a lot of words for a question that was three words. <laughs> um, what do you think of that first quote? Do you think there was much wrong with that, or do you think that's straight away out of disrespect? Um, I think I was a little bit wrong with that. First of all, for a first question of, like, like how how are you and and, and stuff like that. You know, what I mean, then he answered it so like I don't know, so much, so much detail. You know, what I mean, I'm good, thanks, or something like that. But I mean, to be fair, he, he isn't wrong. The system we were playing him and didn't um, didn't suit him. But was that something that he had to share with the share with the media? Um, you know, what I mean, when they when he knows how powerful the the media um, can be, especially somebody like um, somebody like Sky Sports. Um, and yeah, they were trying to find a system and stuff like that. But him saying he's not happy, you know what I mean, and stuff like that. It's just, it's just not gonna help the club. It's not gonna help Tuchel in it. And and if he's a, he has to be aware of what the media can do with his words by him saying he's not happy and the system and stuff like that. That's all stuff that he can discuss with um with Tuchel behind closed doors. So I just feel like maybe he was he was being right, but. You didn't have to share that with the media, you know. I mean, it could have been a behind closed door thing. Yeah, I agree. Because I think you'd be silly to go and say that most fans were not thinking the some of the exact same things that he was talking about in terms of system and that. Um, but and and I, I think you have you have had fans say that they they want players to be more open about that, but. I think there is a there is a limit and doing it in an interview that again as we all mentioned was not even conducted by the club was not consented by the club or his agent which the agent thing makes me laugh even more because you'd expect the agent to be involved but he didn't even agree to it so that's the fun that's just a funny part about it but next quote um is a bit funny as well um talks about him in milan and about they, uh, they ask about the scudetto his reply was, yes, I always think of Milan, in Milan, in Milan. There I lived the best moment of my career. I have to say thanks to teammates and staff and Conte. And then exactly for uh, the month we spent together, they've always been available, executives and everything else, really the top. But the people of Milan and the Inter fans are truly the best in the world. Ryan, is that, is that what you want your £100 million striker saying when he's been at your club? Um, I mean, I think everything up to maybe the last, the last tennis was alright. Like maybe he does love Milan. He didn't give them a, a fair like um a fair a, 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 like apology or farewell message. Um, so yeah, that's fine. Him saying it. he enjoyed his time at at Milan, but him saying our oh, Inter Milan fans were the best and stuff like that. I feel like that's something something you can say at the end of your career. You know what I mean? When maybe you're not playing or you're not playing to a high level. Um, quotes like that you can say you know what I was at a lot of good clubs uh, and stuff like that but Inter Milan were the best for me and stuff like that but he did just like walk in and him speaking about Inter Milan in, 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 in such a way like that when he could have done it maybe at the at the end of the season when things started to calm down a bit and yeah I don't know it just, it just felt weird for him to for him to, to say it now you know what I mean yeah, and then they they, they kind of it's, it's the fact that straight after they asked him about Chelsea and he talked about how Chelsea his childhood club that he's been looking at for a, since he was eleven etc. He's just like yeah. you've you've just followed that up from the Inter Milan thing. It's just like <laughs> it doesn't side, not make any sense. Yeah, like sitting on the fence one. Yeah. Um, but it does get worse. 
Um, they were talking about the move uh, and the economic prospect, and he talks about um, where he could move to, which he replies, uh, there was no possibility of staying and it was difficult to accept. In my head, I thought I could do a few more years at, foot, at Inter. In football, for me, there are three absolute top teams in the world, Real Madrid, Barcelona and Bayern Munich. A player, all players uh, dream of playing in them shirts of one of them three clubs. Um, I tell the truth, I thought I would make my own history of Inter and if one day there was a chance to go to one of them teams, uh, only then would I leave Inter, but I, I first wanted to renew. Um, is that, again, a second slap in the face? Um, I mean, for me, I don't think he's particularly... Again, I don't think he's particularly wrong. I think if you'd ask... If you ask most fans, unbiasedly, who are the best three clubs in history, I think you would probably say them three clubs. But again, as when you're a hundred million pound striker at Chelsea Football Club, should you be saying them comments? Yeah, um, I don't know. It just feels weird, like him saying about Chelsea's his, his childhood club and stuff like that. And then as soon as you walk in, three months later, you speak about how the three top teams are are, are Real Madrid, Barcelona, um, and 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 Bayern Munich, and. Yes, in history and maybe at the time, Bayern Munich are better than us. Um, Real Madrid and Barcelona, they are declining a little bit. Maybe not Real Madrid, but but I don't know. The fact that we are kind of, um, we are probably going to compete with them in the Champions League and we're probably going to want to win it. And them three teams, maybe not Barcelona, but Real Madrid and Bayern Munich are going to be up there. For him, like saying that, especially like three months after he walked in, about how um are if 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 Chelsea's such a childhood club and stuff like that and the club you want to go to the most him saying oh, if I if I got offered um to go to Real Madrid Barcelona or Bayern Munich when I was at Inter Milan I would have went it just it just gives a like a, a bad energy um it, it just gives a weird energy around when, when he's going to be there because I don't know he's insane childhood club and stuff and he's coming out um w- w- with this three months into him coming into Chelsea. I don't know. It feels weird. Yeah, I think he, he seems to have a lot of favourites at the moment. I mean, he talks about Anderlecht as his first ever club. He then talks about Inter being his best ever club, Chelsea being his childhood club, and then he's got three dream clubs. I mean, yeah, there's not going to be many clubs left after the amount of clubs uh, Romelu's listing off in one interview. But, um, it's, a bit, it's, it's hard to take him seriously, ain't it? Yeah, I don't know. Surely your childhood club should be your 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 dream club. Club like the club you want to go to the most would be your dream club. But where where his I, I don't know. He's 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 confusing me, man. I don't know. No, maybe don't. it's like when we got we look back and we look back at another Belgian teammate Hazard. Um, it was always known, and there was always interviews that he said that from the ages of nine and ten he had pictures of Zidane. Um, Real Madrid on his wall, so that was his again childhood club, dream club, and yeah. that that when when he'd then occasionally say that he'd like to play at Real Madrid one day, that makes while it was also a kick in the teeth a little bit back then, it was you could understand it, but this you just can't. I, I don't seem to understand any of the logic behind any of this interview, if I'm honest. But yeah, it does get that. I mean, this 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 next quote. I, I just say about, on. Um quickly on, on Eden Hazard as well like um, he was at a stage in his career where he'd been here for about five six years and he was constantly getting grilled by by um, by journalists and people were interviewing him about Real Madrid and you know I mean he never said that uh, Chelsea Chelsea are a, a good club but my dream club is Real Madrid and and stuff like this and constantly constantly um, flirting with them it's only his last ever uh, his last ever interview for Chelsea after the Europa League where he hinted that he's going to go to Real Madrid, you know what I mean? But that was after five, six years for Lukaku to straight away go in and say this, I don't know, it feels weird. Yeah, and I mean, the ne- I do agree with you completely there. I mean, the ne- the next quote, you think, oh, it's positive. Like, if they start off asking, do you miss Lataro on the pitch? And he goes, yes, because Lataro is one whom I didn't... Uh, have to talk to a bite. Uh, for him, I would have died on the pitch. 
And then you, that's, that makes you think, so let, let's see it at Chelsea. Let's see it at Chelsea. Come on. This is this is actually good. This this interview is not completely terrible. And then the journalist <laughs> even asks, maybe in the future you will return to play together or he comes to Chelsea. And straight away he goes, no, stay there. I'll go back there with Lotaro from day one. When I watched him, I knew we could do great things for Inter. Is that possibly the worst quote of them all? Definitely, definitely. Like the the interviewer even tried to like like help you out and stuff, saying Lautaro Martinez uh, at Chelsea could he come here? You could have said maybe one day. He flipped it completely on his head, saying, "You know what? Don't come to me. I'll come to you." You know what I mean? And after the course, he said about how um he wants to return to Inter Milan that when he's still at a high level. You know what I mean? And he wants to return to Lautaro uh, Martinez. Stay there. When he when he says stay there, it's kind of like stay there. I'll be back. I'll be back soon. You know what I mean? Because Lautaro is getting interest from from a lot of big clubs. You know what I mean? So I don't think he's gonna stay there for 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 too long. I feel like somebody might buy him. You know what I mean? So especially after saying after after the courts, I feel like this one's the worst one. Like stay there. I'll come back to you. Um, or something like that. In I think that's the worst one for me. Yeah. I mean, with the whole quote about him going back to play at a high level, I mean, for me at first, I wasn't too worried about that quote because at the same time, yes, that could mean two or three seasons time. Um, But at the same time, if you look at it in a different way, you've got players like Zlatan who are playing, you would say, at that level at the ages of 38, 39, 40. So, obviously, Lukaku is built differently to Zlatan. I'm not comparing the two, but maybe could he be referring to that as in four or five years down the line, which, for me, wouldn't be such of a bad thing. Would you take it like that? Or, with as you said, the other quotes, would you take it as that's no, that's a lot sooner? Um, I don't know. Yeah, to, to be fair, it does depend on the way you look at it. Uh, but, yeah, for me, Lukaku, like... Um, I don't know, like, this might sound controversial, but I feel like he is a player where his best attribute is physically. You want him running um, down the channels, running uh, with the ball into space, you know what I mean? You, you don't really want him to constantly hold the ball up and stuff like that and be a target man. Um, you want him running into space, scoring goals, you know what I mean? And as he gets older, he's going to start to lose some of that, some of that pace and um athleticism and the way he said it as well which is like oh um i'll be back but um but what but, but i think he said something like but not when i'm old or something like when i'm at a, a high level yeah he said yeah he said i really hope in the depths of my heart to return to inter not at the end of my career but when i'm still at a good level to hope to win more i don't know what is he gonna end his career at 45 or something i'm <laughs> i'm not too sure so yeah, to be fair, yeah, it, I mean, it, it depends though, because I think it is, especially with how Juventus are on a little downfall at the moment, you could say four to five years, still a chance of him providing Inter Milan are a good team that he could still go and win trophies at that age. But it's a bit of a, that one's a bit of a funny one, I think, depending on what side of the agenda you are on and how far, yeah. how, how pissed off you are. I think that depends on how you take the quote. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people have taken that quite more. Um, but obviously that is part of the kind of finishing part where he kind of apologises to Inter fans for the way he left and that it should have been different. What did you think about that whole part of it? Did you think that was okay? Considering it was it was a bit of a strange situation in the way he left it. I don't think, as you said, I don't think he wanted to leave. I think it was the more financial stuff that kind of forced him out. Did you think that was okay? Do you think it's just a bit of wrong timing or... Do you think he shouldn't have not done it at all? Um, yeah, a bit of both. To be fair, like Inter Milan did kind of revive him, uh, especially because that Man United he wasn't doing too well towards the end of 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 um, his tenure there. So when he went to um, Inter Milan, obviously they helped him a lot. They they developed him, especially Conte and stuff like that. Um, technically better, um, holding up the ball better. Um, the Inter Milan fans loved him. Um and yeah, with Lautaro he had a great connection and stuff like that. It's probably like the best he's been at since Everton, maybe. So 
like you under you understand why um why he, like he expresses so much love for for Inter Milan and because the way he left um with the contract situation and and everything like that and not really giving a proper farewell or the apology you understand why he loves them so much and stuff like that but I think he's doing it a, a bit too over the top not thinking about Chelsea's point of view as well like maybe if you're an Inter Milan fan and you hear oh I'll be back soon and stuff like that when I'm at a high level with you guys and Lautaro I'll be there and stuff like that and how much you love like from an Inter Milan fan's point of view you might like that but from a from a Chelsea fan's point of view or the way Tuchel's looking at it or the board's looking at it like what's it supposed to mean for 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 them because those are very controversial statements that can be interpreted in 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 different ways by different people so Tuchel might look at it sideways the club might look at it sideways you bought your 100 million pound striker and he's speaking about how much he'd love Inter Milan and how he's going to return to Inter Milan in the in the future when he's at a good level you know what I mean criticizing Tuchel's um Tuchel's system and the way that he was using him out in the public how will Tuchel look at that and I think the worst thing about this whole interview as a whole is he didn't actually tell the club that he was going to do this interview you know what I mean so Tuchel probably found out about the interview the same time we did you know what I mean did he even know that the interview happened the board didn't know that the interview happened so I think it was it was even worse for for Tuchel because when Lukaku came back, he started scoring goals um, against uh, Aston Villa, um, against Brighton, and he was actually playing good. He was looking like our best attacker. And then that comes out, especially when we had to play Liverpool and Man City, and the media knew what they were doing. They were waiting for the exact time to put that out. It just just ruined everything. So, I mean, it, I think it's all about perspective, but I don't think Ch uh, Lukaku... Uh, thought about the interview enough and wasn't that like, I don't think he's media trained as well you don't want players to be robots but there has to be a certain level of like media training that you have to do you know what I mean yeah exactly I mean the funny part about it is he's done all this for the Inter Milan fans and, <laughs> and they still don't like they still are like nope we're done with you we don't like you we don't want you to come back and now he's just pissed off the whole Chelsea fan base um, so he's kind of the biggest, he's, he's just created a massive hole for himself, not fixed any wounds. And it's just, I mean, it's just dreadful. My question to you is going through all of it and having a couple of days to think about it, let yeah. the whole drama die down. Do you have any sympathy at all for, for Lukaku in what he's done, why he's done it? Um, or do you think it's just, no sympathy it's it's disgraceful and he shouldn't have done it um i mean i have a little bit of um sympathy for him because maybe the way he was thinking saying it and his intentions weren't to um like hurt uh chelsea fans or for it to like backlash with so much drama but at the same time him not telling the club about the interview that he was going to do and um him him publicly criticizing um publicly criticizing Tuchel and saying all of this openly to the to the media especially to sky sports he should have a better level of understanding um of what they can do with it because they weren't just going to post it at any time you know what i mean because maybe at that time it might have seemed relevant and made sense but they waited for the exact time for for, for them to put it out when chelsea were starting to have bad performances and we're going into probably our toughest spell of the season so i feel like there is a bit of sympathy there because maybe he didn't have the intentions uh to, to 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 do all of this and for all this drama to happen but at the same time he should have had some level of understanding of what was going to happen how what chelsea fans were going to think of this what the board was going to think of this what tuchel was going to think of this what his own players were going to think of this um you, you know what i mean and so, yeah, a bit of sympathy, but you should have had better understanding. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's just a hard one. I, I don't really, um, I, I, I still don't understand why he did the interview now. What was, what, I, I don't really understand where he was trying to go with it. I just, I do agree with you. I think he's not very well me, media trained. I think 
I don't want to be rude, but to be- a lot of Belgian players in general are very arrogant. So when they want to do something, they'll do it, no matter what people say. Um, you saw that kind of trait in Courtois, um, even at times of Hazard, um, and a lot of the other Belgian players are very similar. I think it's just it's just a way that Belgian people were brought up. Um, obviously, I know from experience that that is very uh, in there. So it's just it's just I I I I do think it's just something. He is that kind of person, and unfortunately, it's sometimes you've got to learn to control it. Some people do, but I don't think Romelu knows how to control it at all. And unfortunately, it's come out of the worst way. Um, obviously, we, we kind of spoke about him being dropped, and we both do think that he was correct for him to be dropped. Um, do you think, in terms of an apology, obviously there is no apology um, now, although there are some reports from Sky Sports saying that he does think it was a mistake uh, to do the interview. That's just come out as of now. Um, but... Do you, do you think do you think he should apologise or do you think he should let the how how do you think he should uh, recover from all this? Um, I think he should um, apologise and kind of explain himself um, a little bit. You know what I mean? Maybe online somewhere to the club statement. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think he should kind of explain himself and, uh, and apologize you know i mean it's fine for him to sh- maybe show his point of view because maybe he didn't have the intention for all of this to to happen you know what i mean you could say sorry i didn't i didn't intend it to happen like this and stuff like that and kind of explain why he did it or what he meant by the quotes and stuff like that um so yeah i think if he apologizes um he trains hard he apologizes to tuchel as well you know what i mean and they get on the same page and you know what i mean you can't they, they kind of put put it behind them and um yeah just put it behind what happened and stuff like that and forget it happened and just go from there then um and he's scoring goals for us and everyone forgives the e- 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 each other and what's it called chelsea fans forgive him after he's scoring goals i feel like there is a way back for him but i think he has to apologize to tuchel and um the fans first before any of that happens yeah i mean i i agree with your point i've been in in a context i do think internally i imagine there already has we've had the meeting today um with tuchel i imagine there has been some apologizing uh internally um and with the players as well because i think it is a bit disrespectful to the players as well and i think majority of them have agreed with that uh, the fan statement it was disrespectful but for me i just feel like an apology now would just be a very a much a PR spin. I don't. For me, I don't really want to hear an apology like that right now. I think the, me, on the, pitch, the best maybe. way for him to, yeah, maybe. But again, I feel like it. It's going to be something. Is he going to read from a script that someone from yeah. Chelsea have just written up for him? And I, I just feel that's not so, so sincere. I think for me, the best way for him to forget Chelsea fans to forgive him is by coming onto the pitch and banging in a load of goals because if, if he starts banging if he bangs from now to the end of the season tw- 10 to 15 goals people yeah. are, people are going to complete not completely forget about this interview but it's going to be on the back of people's minds i mean if we're completely honest i don't want to be rude to fans but we are quite fickle um True. at times you look back at Ch- chelsea players in the past obviously you've got kepa who refused to come off the pitch in a cup final and arguably lost that lost us that Carabao Cup final. You've had Alonso um, walk out at half time uh, and just go to sit on the bus after losing three 0 at West Brom. Um, you've had stuff like Courtois, but obviously Courtois didn't actually do anything to uh, redeem himself. You had Hazard's made comments in the past. Drogba's made comments about going back to Marseille in a very not as similar but in a lessened fashion. Um, so there is there is a lot of incidents with whether it's Chelsea legends or other Chelsea current players who have gone on and to redeem themselves. No one really talks about Kepa's um, incident anymore unless it's an odd joke referred to him being the manager. Um, you don't really hear too much about Alonso. Um, 
you we've never spoke no one's ever spoke about Drogba's comments um I think partially because it wasn't a time where Twitter wasn't really around as it is now but I, I feel like there is people people will forget about this um and I think it's up to him to prove onto the pitch and let his football do the talking and that's what I personally would prefer than just a, a PR stunt if you get what I mean would you agree Sorry, um, yeah, um, I would agree. I think if he scores till now at the end of the season and him and Tuchel are on the right terms and stuff like that and everyone forgets that um, it happens, then yeah, definitely. Um, as you said, as soon as he starts scoring goals and stuff like that, fans will fans will forgive him. Fans will forgive him. Um, so, yeah, and as you said in the past, Marcus Alonso going onto the bus, Kepa, um as well but the fans weren't really behind sorry as much as they are too cool um but still he did get a lot of backlash um for it but and then fast forward like a couple games careful was back fans kind of forgot about it um and yeah as you said only rival fans when you were making jokes really brought it up um so yeah i think if he just starts scoring um from now till the end of the season and everyone forgets about it then i think i'll be think that'd be a, probably the best apology to be fair yeah i mean the final question on this before we move on to the liverpool game when do you think there when do you think the time is right for him to come back into the team um well i wouldn't put him in against um against tottenham uh, maybe maybe on the bench if um if tuchel if tuchel wants him to um i think that may have to with all the issues yeah, of COVID and injuries. That is true. So to me, like it is all down to Tuchel. To be fair, um, if if him and Tuchel, if, if he's a apologise for Tuchel, like um the like like he said in the uh, in the meeting and stuff like that, and they're on good terms and he's training, um he's training well and stuff like that. Then yeah, I think put him on the bench against um against Spurs. Um, if we need him, put him on. Um, and then yeah, and then we have. An FA Cup game against Chesterfield, uh, maybe that will be the right time to 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 bring him back um, and see and and just kind of get him to scoring because I'll be an easier opponent to play against. Um, just getting scoring a couple of goals because I feel like we might we're definitely going to need him against Manchester City um, on the fifteenth of January. Um, so yeah, I think Chesterfield maybe is a good it's a good time to put him on if he's on good terms with Tuchel and he's training well yeah i think chesterfield i think that that is kind of the obvious game because i think the problem is with this month you've got tottenham you've got man city tottenham again um and tottenham again um tottenham three times man city chesterfield there isn't really a time to just drop him back in um so i think chesterfield even though it's only one two games away I think would probably be the better game just to bring him back in. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I mean, Dan McCarthy's just put out a tweet saying the PR is real. So I assume there is going to be a lot of PR uh, spin coming out in the next couple of hours uh, to try and appease Chelsea fans before the next game. So we'll have to wait and see for that and we'll update you as we go through. Um, let's go talk about this 2-2 draw then uh, that we had at the weekend. Um I will not go through a stats review because I've just realised I forgot about that. So I apologise to you guys who uh, uh, wanted to hear that. But uh, go check out SofaScore. They have very good in-depth stats about the game. Um, so, Brian, 2-2, what, what was your overall thoughts of the game? Um, I was actually at the game in the stadium. So that was um, that was a great experience there. And, um, yeah, um I feel like both teams could have won it. Both teams had their chances. Um, you know what I mean? I feel like we were very good in the first, I'd say, 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes. Our energy was good. Our pressing was really good. And we looked like we were on it. But I think after we conceded that goal, bad uh, bad mistake from Chalabar and Mane scores, and then the Salah goal, I think our head kind of drops a bit. Um, and then after we got that Kovacic goal, from then until half time, we were playing very, very well. We were creating chances. Um, and stuff like that. But to be fair, we did have 
I think when we were dominant in the first 10 to 15 minutes, we could have been maybe one to two nil up. Pulisic took his chance and we had um, other chances as well. And we were dominant in that first 10 to 15 minutes. And then the second half, well, you know, I mean, I think when you brought on Jorginho, we were sitting deep, you know what I mean? And I think the main reason we were conceding chances to Liverpool this game was, I think, counter-attacks. I think they were lethal on the counter-attack. Um, so I think when we sat back, I think we conceded less chances, although Liverpool did have chances, the better of chances in that second half, especially Mendy had to make a lot of a lot of good saves. Um, so, yeah, overall, both teams had chances. Both teams could have won it. I feel like we definitely could have won it if we took our chances and we, we took advantage of when we were dominant during the game. But at the same time, Edouard Mendy did save us a lot in that second half. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a very interesting game. I, I actually thought it was a very exciting game. Um, we'll speak about it a little bit later, but the, the tempo between not just Liverpool, but Chelsea, who I, I felt at times it was Chelsea who were dictating and showing the tempo more than actually Liverpool, um, especially in the first half. Um, but it, it was a very interesting game. Uh, a lot of different emotion, especially after the whole Lukaku drama. Um, first of all, before we get into the game, obviously you were at the game, which I did see uh, beforehand. Obviously, this was a game where safe standing was introduced. Yeah. Um, what did you think of that? Did you think it really helped the atmosphere around Stamford Bridge? Yeah, definitely. Before, um, the only place where you could really stand was Matthew Harden. Matthew Harden lower, I believe. Um, so, yeah, I was sitting at Shed Upper behind the goal. Everyone was standing. And, um, yeah, we really did get behind the, the, the team. And you could tell the first 10 to 15 minutes, the fans helped a lot, and especially during the comeback um, as well. So, yeah, I think safe standing, man, it's, uh, it's great. Because especially in places like East Stand and West Stand, most of the time everybody was sitting, it was very quiet. So safe standing is, is great, man. It's a great introduction. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it, look, it looked much better just seeing everyone up um the, the 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 crowd was absolutely fantastic throughout the whole game um and you could really t tell the difference on so I'm, I'm happy it's in and uh obviously yeah, i sh my assumption is it will be here to stay um and i think it'll be good for football because germany has had this for years now and we've lagged behind it for a bit far too long um so i'm glad it's back in um going into the game itself what did you think of the lineup when it first came out do you think it looking at it then and then now looking at it back do you think it was the correct lineup um yeah i would say so i would say so i, I did a predicted lineup before the game and it was the exact same except i played Jorginho for kovacic and hudson odoi for pudisic um but yeah other than that i was pretty happy with the lineup i think kovacic and kante was the right move because they brought a lot of energy a lot of tempo um i feel like they were moving the ball very quickly um as well and i think that was a stat that um, not a single player uh, dispossessed them. Not a single Liverpool player dispossessed them while they were dribbling Kante and um, Kovacic. So I feel like they were driving the ball up very, very well as well. And I feel like that was the right move. So the lineup, I was pretty happy with it. Yeah, I think the Jorginho uh, not being in the squad, I think was very surprising. I think when I first heard people talking about it, a lot of people were quite negative about it, saying that we play through Jorginho. Without him, we don't look in control and Liverpool will tear us apart. But it really wasn't like that. And I think for me, it was a bit of a surprise, but I, I wasn't going into it with any negativity about it. I do think it. this is probably the first time I've, I think Kante Kovacic has actually worked. Um, so we'll see how it goes in the future. But it does prove that there is a way to play without Jorginho. Um, um, which is it's good because when we've not got Jorginho, there is no one to replace him. So now yeah. we know that we don't have to play with him. It's potentially a good sign um, for the future. Um, going into the game, and it didn't take long for there to be a major talking point, 16 seconds to be exact. Um, possible uh, red card, um, Mane elbowing Azpilicueta. Um, what was your, obviously, where you were in the stadium, I assumed you had time uh, to look at it back since then. What what's your overall thoughts on that? Did you think it was a red or do you think the yellow was a correct call? And obviously there was no VAR look at all. Do you think VAR should have at least had a look at it? Yeah, definitely. 
because I've seen we've seen in the Premier League stuff like that given um elbows and, and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it depends. I think it could have got given, it might have not. Um because some some referees do give um stuff like that, but um but others don't. For me, I think a yellow was fair, to be fair. Um from a from a neutrals um from a neutral's point of view, I think the elbow was fair. Um so yeah, they didn't actually give us many replays on the screen. That was weird. Um because in, in Stamford yeah, they, they, they they, I mean they, they don't usually. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. Like they didn't show us any replays um on, on the screen. I just I just saw sixteen seconds and Aspilaqueta was down and I'm like, it's already started, it's already started. But yeah, for me I don't think it was a red. Yeah, I I tend I tend to agree. I think when I first looked at it, I think the the difference in an elbow between it being a yellow and the red is intention. And the main way they measure that is what is the player doing in terms of his look? Is he looking at the ball or is he looking at the player? Because if you're looking at the player and swinging your arm, they look at that and go, well, that's intentional. You're You're not going for the ball. But if you're looking at the ball when you just swing your arm and hit the player, they regard that, especially in terms of the situation when it's a head, when you're going up to head the ball, your arms are going to swing about anyway. Um, so yeah. I think that's where they go. It's not, not not intentional, but you have struck him, so they give a yellow card. Although when now I look at it back even more, the more I look at it, the more I look and go, well, yes, you're not looking at him, but you're swinging your arm at a ferocity that doesn't look unintentional so i think it's it's a very on the it's what i'd call an orange card um could be a red could be a yellow but a bit unclear the the annoying part is they don't look at it at all um considering later in the game they look at mason mount for a i don't even know what they thought he did um but they looked at it about 25 replays um on on tv through sky sports um but they didn't look at the Mane thing once. That's where I just think you could have, you should have at least looked at it just to check, um, which was a bit, I think was very silly and typical VAR, typical anti-Taylor, um, not using it correctly, which I'm not surprised with anymore. I think we need to change our officials. I think if you're the best, te- if you're the best league in the world, you need the best officials, and whether that's English officials or whether that means you going abroad and getting the best. Uh, officials over and paying them a good wage that's what you're going to have to do um, and I think the refereeing needs to change in this kind of country big time um, but we'll move into uh, the actual uh, football and unfortunately the first goal is not good, it's not good at all um, Chalabar trying to make that head which to this to this, to this moment I still have no understanding of why he even attempted to do the, to make it to do a header at that moment yeah. rather than just kick the ball out um and then obviously it goes through Mane uh takes it past Mendy and puts the ball in the back of the net what did you think of that goal um and Chalaba's mistake um to be fair it was it was coming at him at like a weird a weird height and angle but I don't know why he went for like I don't, I don't know what it was was it a diving header or it was it was weird yeah, it was like, it was it was a diving header, but it was like knee, it was almost knee height. It's just like it, it's it's a it's a perfect position to kick it. Yeah. Like for me, I the thing is that annoys me. If he kicked it and miskicked it, and it went to Mane and went in, I'd be less annoyed because sometimes that just happens. But yeah, the sheer kind of stupidity to go and use your head on it—that's the thing that makes me even more annoyed with the uh, the mistake. Um, yeah. What and do you think I missed the goal? If he, at least if he miss kicks it, then he kind of has time to maybe get back. But I, I don't know. I feel like he was he was kind of like the last player as well in the middle. Um because Silva was kind of out of position. But I feel like he should have he should have controlled it maybe at his knee or something like that. Or maybe if he if, if he was in if he was in doubt, like as they say, if you're in doubt, just kick it out, man. So he could have just cleared that away or controlled it. Um and, and kicked. Ah, I don't know. It's just. It was just a, it's a bad mistake. It was naive, stupid. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was just so silly. I think he's had. I think the last few games now he's been for me. He's been, he's been not, a bit shaky. Um, 
Yeah, I, I I know they did say after the game that he was struggling with a hamstring injury, and that's why he's been taken off, and it's been something that he's been struggling with for a while now. So I get that we're in struggle with um, the injuries, the COVID, um, but is it maybe a time now where maybe it might be best to take Chalaber out for a couple games, allow him to just calm down, get over his niggling injuries and then just let him start afresh um yeah maybe first of all i don't know how long the the hamstring injury will be um i think it's only a niggle but i think he's continually continuously struggled with the niggle throughout the games yeah so i don't know when he comes back yeah maybe but the problem is we have so many injuries i don't even know who to play there i don't know when christensen will be back um and James won't be back, so you can't put Aspilicueta there. Um, unless we put Hudson Odoi or Pulisic at wing back, which personally I'm not a fan of. So I don't know. To be fair, we don't have too many options, but yeah, I do think he does need maybe a little break before he before he comes back in. Because when he but when he first broke through, that was when that's when he was at his best, you know what I mean? Because he took every chance and stuff like that, and every game felt like his first game for the first couple. And, um, you know, I mean, you don't want to make any mistakes. Um, and he looks very confident and stuff like that. I don't know, the last couple of games, he looks a bit fatigued, a bit tired, like he's making wrong decisions. He's looking a bit naive. Um, so, yeah, I think a couple of games out of the side will do him well. But I don't know who will, will play there because we've got so many injuries. Yeah, definitely. I think that is the issue at the moment. Um, there is, I think Christensen as far as I'm aware, isn't too far away from coming back. Um, yeah. And obviously, we've got Silver back now. We have Rudiger. I think it may be the need of, do we go into the um, academy, especially now we've got Spurs and Chesterfield um, in the cup. Is this maybe the time to go and pick out um, one of the centre-backs, um, particularly Mbayamba, um, is a player that keeps being mentioned, um, yeah. which I think he... I think. I think he out the rest would be probably the most ready to deal with, especially kind of the physicality aspect of it. So we'll have to wait and see. And see he's, what a he does. Um, he's a unit, man. Absolute right. machine. Um, uh, he's going to be a very, I think he's going to be a very good player. Um, I'm not, I don't, I don't like to gas up too many youth players um, without seeing too much of them. Um, but this guy, I think he, he's going to, I think he's going to be mustered. Um, but we'll have to wait and see for that. Um, obviously, that wasn't the only goal. It was we we went two 0 down, um, which some will say Salah masterclass. For me, I think personally, it's a few mistakes um, leading up to the goal. Um, what did you think of the overall goal? Did you think there was anyone that was particularly at fault, or do you think it was just one of them goals? It's Salah. It's brilliant. Um, we just have to say well done to it. Ryan, you there? Oh, sorry, 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 my bad. I think I was on mute. Um, yeah. So um, I don't know. I feel like it's maybe a bit of both. I feel like um, Alonso gets done a bit too easy with Salah just dropping the shoulder, and and he didn't. I don't think he got back to kind of block it. Um, I feel like if that's maybe Chilwell or somebody else, I don't think they're getting beat that easily by by Salah, but just by dropping the shoulder. Um, and then, yeah, it was a good finish, though, to be fair, because everyone would probably think he's either going to go far corner or he's going to put it across the box. So it was a very tight angle. So nine times out of ten, an attacker will probably just, you know what I mean, um, put it across the box. So Edward Mendy's positioning, you can understand why he wasn't really covering his front post as much. But he maybe could have done a bit better. But to be fair, it was a, it was a good goal by Salah. But I do blame Marcos Alonso just a bit. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. I think you had um, Rudiger, who was initially um, with Salah and initially let him go uh, in the first place. Um, then you had Alonso, who it was funny if you watch the replay, it was almost like he was just saying, go past, it's fine. Uh, I'm not going to catch you anyway. Um, so it's all right. Just go into our box. Um, and then I just think with Mendy... 
I've always, I, I'm always at the point if you, you shouldn't be getting beat at your near post. Uh, I understand the idea that you could, it could go, it's more likely to go across the box, but I think you've always got to be prepared for it to go to near post as well. Um, so I, I do, I get that it was, it, the shot was hit at quite a uh, high velocity, but I still think you shouldn't be getting beat at your near post at the highest level. Um, and I always am a bit critical of goalkeepers in that aspect, but. Yeah, I think it's. I don't think it's only one particular player that was at fault. Uh, I think it's just a combination. But yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't great going two 0 down. But Chelsea, as they are, and I think I've seen this a couple of times now. When we go down a goal, generally we seem to start start playing a bit better. And one player who we never expect to score. Uh, I don't think anyone probably put a bet on saying he'd score. And especially a wonder goal that he did, Mateo Kovacic, uh, with an absolute belter. Ryan, how did that feel seeing that goal? Oh my god! Uh, oh my god! I did not expect that goal to go in. I was literally, I was sitting behind the goal, so I was vlogging. Um, guys, when this comes out, my match vlog will probably be out, so check that out. But so I was, I was vlogging, and Marcus Alonso's free kick, um, and then obviously he got kind of punched out by um, Kelleher. Now, when it came to Kovacic, normally when he's at that position, he doesn't really shoot. He'll take a touch and then probably pass it out wide or just keep the ball. So when he shot it, especially when you're behind the goal, it always looks like the ball's going to go over. Same for Pulisic's goal. And then when it went in, everybody just started to go crazy. And that takes technique as well, the way he hit it. And he just caught it so well um, as well, especially with no bounce, just straight volley. Uh, what a goal, man! Especially in Kovacic, you don't expect it one bit. Yeah, I think it was. It was. I, I mean, I, I'd put my foot down and say it's probably goal of the season, and probably will be goal of the season. Um, I heard people, my mate, well, mate, he's a West Ham fan, was like, "Oh, but Lanzini's goal was better." I was like, "Nope, this one's on the volley. This goes top bins. Uh, I don't. You can't get it Definitely. any further into the top corner. Um, goalkeeper's got no chance of saving it." And just the fact that it's Kovacic who scored, I think, two Chelsea goals in his whole career, three maybe. Um, you got you got to hold your hat off to it. Um, it was fantastic. I, I I think I said on Twitter, I was like, this game's done. I'm about to turn the TV off if this carries on because we're we're just terrible. We don't look like score. We're not going to score. Not with these players. And then Kovacic does that, and it's a wonder goal. But then not. But a few minutes later, um, Christian Pulisic, a man who I, I, I've got, I, I always have, I, as, as you guys know, I do have a lot of respect for him. Um, when he missed that chance just before the Liverpool um, first goal, I was seeing a lot of Pulisic sold on the timeline. And for the first time in a while, I've just gone, sat there and gone, this is indefensible. I cannot defend it anymore. Um, but my idea is when you when a player misses a big chance like that, the testament is how they respond from it. Do they go missing for the rest of the game, like most of our players have done from misses like that, or they do they come and respond to it? And I, I, I I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I love the way Pulisic could come and responded to it by scoring again, not as not as good as Kovacic, but another beautiful goal. Um, what did you think of? Pulisic's overall performance uh, back in the left wing position and for his goal on his miss? Um, I think the first, I'd say, um, I'd say maybe 20 to 30 minutes um, was probably one of the worst. Up to when he got his goal, it was probably one of the worst, like, uh, 25 minutes periods I've seen from a player, you know what I mean? He was losing the ball, um, tracking back, he was he was awful. He missed that big chance. Um as well that like I don't know I don't know what he was trying to do he should have just smashed it um or at least you're going to take it around the keeper you don't go that close to the keeper you know what I mean take that small of a touch it was basically giving the ball to Kelleher and I was so frustrated as well especially when Liverpool got their second goal because if we scored that with the momentum we were on we could have we could have we could have bounced on from there but um yeah to be fair um five to ten minutes before he got his goal he was looking better you know what I mean? On the ball, he was looking better. Um, he was it was helping 
um, create chances or get us into the final third in dangerous positions. And um, yeah, what a goal it was as well. Um, that one looked like it was it was going over as well, to be fair, but it was a great goal. And then after that, he was looking very, very good. You know what I mean? He was moving the ball quickly and he was he was doing well with the ball. Um, tracking back, he was good as well. His energy was good. And then when he obviously had to move to right wing back, which is obviously a place where he doesn't want to be because he has to do a lot of defending. I think he was actually all right defensively. And yeah, we didn't see too much of him going forward or right wing back, but that's because we didn't really attack too much, um, to be honest, in that, in that second half. But overall, he started it off terrible, but fair play after the goal after the goal and leading up to that he was getting a lot better and he actually played pretty well after that yeah i think the first i think the first bit i think he was you could see he was trying um and trying to do different things but you could just see it just wasn't in the first 20 minutes working out um then he, then he looked like he's tweaked up he looked like he tweaked it up a little bit started going a bit from more deep um getting the ball and driving in started doing the typical almost hazard-like winning fouls outside the box, um, trying to get set-piece opportunities for Chelsea. Um, and then he went on to score that goal, which I thought it was beautiful run by him. Um, good finish. Uh, it did look like it was nearly going to go over, but thankfully it, it just flew again towards the top corner, which was lovely. Um, and as you said, I think he he really did look good in the second half. Even when he was at wing-back, defensively he was quite sound, considering he's playing against the type of players he is at Liverpool. Um, and then, he, I, I suppose, yeah, his attack did, output did go down, but he was still, again, making runs from deep, winning fouls, which is nice because that's what you want. Set pieces can get you goals. And yeah, he does provide that. And if you look at the times that he's actually plays at left wing, which is three times this season, and all for, in all three times he scored, um, which does put to the point, I do just want to see him, whether it is on the left or on the right, I personally would prefer the left. I know other people will say right, but in this kind of formation, it's quite fluid anyway, so it, would, it will change throughout the game. I think he needs to, I think he does need to play more. I think people have, I think people have been a bit unfair with him when he has been playing either up front in a false nine or at wing back, because while... I think any player should just stick and play in the position they do and play their best. When you're judging to sell him for a position he's not playing in his right one, I think it's a little bit harsh. And that's why I always said a bit with Callum as well. You you got to see him, you got to judge him in his position, not judge him at wing back. Uh, but at the same time, you do have to get on with the job if you're picked there. Um, which I think Pulisic has been fantastic. That's never kicked up a fuss being up front. Or on the right wing back, unlike certain strikers at Chelsea, um, kicking up fuss um, and doing interviews. But no Pulisic interviews, hopefully. Uh, police Pulisic don't do that because that will frustrate me. But yeah, I think he's he's playing really well. And I still want my dream front three at the moment is I want to see, well, it will have to be Lukaku now because uh, eventually when he comes back. But I want to see Callum and Pulisic playing together. None of this comparing them. Uh, against each other I just want to see them both in the side and I, I think that will be the best of both worlds you'll have the creativity from uh, Hudson-Doy you'll have the directness um, the 1v1 running and the goal scoring from Christian and then you also have Lukaku doing some of the goal scoring as well as the as the main striker and I think it's the probably the best combination we've got um, but we'll have to wait and see uh, when that comes um Going into kind of just the general, going back to kind of that general tempo we had, it was a very high tempo uh, performance, obviously, without Jorginho, which I don't think Jorginho could have kept up with that tempo uh, throughout the game. And it did slow down once he was brought on, which I think was actually a little bit of a mistake. I think we could have get, kept going for a little bit more. Um, but Tuchel makes the decisions and most of the time he's very much right with it. Um this Kante Kovacic high tempo uh, midfield, do you think this is something we could go with from now on? Or do you think it's one of them tactics where it's it's suited to Liverpool, but in other teams it's not really suited to? Um, yeah, in terms of Kante and Kovacic, I, I feel like they played 
brilliant against um, Liverpool, don't get me wrong, but I feel like I don't think it's something that we can sustain. I feel like when, when we play Kovacic and Kante for more than, I'd say, one game, um, I don't know, it's kind of weird. The next game, they don't really play as well. You know what I mean? I feel like they do well in, in certain games, like the Man United game last season when they were breaking up play brilliantly and stuff like that. Um, I feel like there's games like that where I think games uh, it, it suits them because they get set instructions from Tuchel. Um, one stays, one goes. High energy, you know what I mean? High tempo, um, start quick. Um, but I feel like Jorginho is going to have to play out for like um, the, 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 the Spurs game because I feel like we're going to need control over Spurs. Um, I don't think it'll be as as high tempo um, as Liverpool. So, yeah, I don't think, I don't want to see um, Kovacic and Kante every game. I think the, the best one to go to is Kante and Jorginho. Um, but, yeah, I think in set games, um, like this game, um, like maybe a Man, a Man United game or games where we need where we need um, players to run and work hard and, you know what I mean, and, and, and start quickly, then I feel like Jorginho Kante and Kovacic would be good, but not every game, I'd say. Yeah, I agree. I think it, I, I'm kind of at the point. I, I liked it. Um, I, but I, I, at the same time, I don't really want to um, be too... I, I, wanna, I, wa- I don't want to be too reactionary. I want to stay level-headed and go and see how, this, how it does um, in the future of games uh, and let it, let it kind of simmer. Because... We all go, oh, Jorginho should be out the squad, Kante, Kovacic play, and then the next game they'll play terrible and we'll be back at square one again. I think we have to be a bit more careful with uh, what we see in one game to game. Um, finally, before we finish off, um, overall in the whole match, who was your man of the match of the game? Oh, um, for me, it's definitely Kovacic. It's definitely Kovacic. I think it's definitely between Kovacic and Kante. Um, but for me, it's definitely Kovacic. I feel like the way he started off a bit, a bit sloppy, a bit, um, a bit slow. Um, he was making one or two sloppy passes. But after that, my days is dribbling. And I don't know if you saw, but some of his touches were just stupid, man. Like the way it was just like one time he just controlled the ball dead, and uh it was just, it was just stupid, man. And yeah, he didn't get tackled once by a Liverpool player um, while dribbling. Um, his work rate was amazing. What a goal that got us back into the game. Um, defensively, offensively, he was doing well. And yeah, for me, it'd definitely be Kovacic. But I think Kante is up there as well. He had a good performance. So honourable mention to him. Yeah, it's. I think I think he had he had an insane game. I think it does. It, you do have to pick between Kante and Kovacic. Uh, I don't re- really think there is anyone else that gets into it for me. Um, but. Yeah, it was a. Uh, you cut with that goal. You just give it to Kovacic for that goal alone, let alone the rest of the play. But he was fantastic with the rest of his play. So, I think he is my clear man of the match. Um, Kante, as you said, an honourable second. Um, and yeah, I mean, we go into the game at Tottenham. Obviously, we're just finishing up, so we'll kind of rather than giving a preview, we'll just go for what. What is your early prediction for that game? Um, early prediction is that Stamford Bridge um, stadium is going to be roaring. Uh, I think we're going to have to get revenge on on Conte. Um, it'll be interesting to see because he might, a couple of our players still do play uh, for us for when they were with Conte. So we might know a couple of things, especially if we play Lukaku. He'll know him inside out. But I think I'm going to go for, I think I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. Um just because our defence has been looking a bit shaky these past couple of games, so I do feel like we're going to concede. Um, and Kane's been on decent form. So is um, Lucas Moura. Um, but yeah, I do think we'll win because it's the bridge. And yeah, man, we always beat Spurs. So it's only, it's only, it's only tradition. <laughs> yeah, I think where it's Conte's first game back on the bridge, I think there's, it, it, I, I, I see it being another battle of the bridge part two i think it's going to get to that level i think there is going to be some sort of sending off there's going to be fights there's going to be things kicking off as it usually does at chelsea spurs i think it's going to be a fantastic game to watch as well i'm actually going to go for a free two win uh i think it's going to be very uh end-to-end feisty um 
there's probably going to be a sending off at least for one team, if not both. Uh-huh. What um, a week that will be. Chelsea 2-2 two, two, and then Chelsea. Oh, it'll be crazy. Oh. Oh, the Liverpool game, it'll be crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for a week, that for, for me, it'll be a week of Liverpool 2-2, two, two, Spurs 3-2, and then me going to watch Chesterfield would be just the perfect, uh, the crazy week for me. But um, and then, yeah. In only Chelsea tradition, we get knocked out by Chesterfield. <laughs> Oh, don't, don't even say it. If we get knocked up by Chesterfield and my return to the Stamford Bridge after five years, I'd be, I'd, I'd be so, I'd be so fuming. But we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see for that. Um, so, guys, this is the end of what's been another wonderful episode. Um, it's been great uh, discussing the Liverpool review. Not so great discussing the Lukaku stuff, but hopefully that will die down. We did just get a uh, breaking news saying that. It has all been sorted. Whether that is PR from Chelsea or not, I suspect it is, um, considering it's come out of Sky Italia as well, funny enough. Um, but, yeah, I think it's we'll, we'll have to wait and see for the developments of that. But, um, Ryan, thank you for coming on. And uh, what we'll do is we'll put the link to your YouTube and to your vlog down in the description. So, guys, make sure you watch watch that match vlog uh, from the game at Liverpool. I can imagine it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, um, you, and bro. make sure you go subscribe to my guy, Ryan. Um, Ryan, did you want to put on, put on any of your socials to see where they can find you? Um, yeah, um, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Let's get to 500 subscribers. We're only about 20 subscribers left. And that's just Ryan CRs. Um, same as my Twitter name, same as my Instagram name. All of them are the same, um, Ryan CRs. Or if you want to be more specific, um, just go into my videos in the description and you'll find all my socials and everything. And yeah, check out the match vlog um, as well. And yeah, man, thank you. Thank you, Matt. No worries. It's a pleasure having you on. And hopefully this won't be the only uh, appearance for you in 2022. Um, we'll nah, man, I always love coming on. on. So thank, thank you for having me, man. It's always nice coming on the pod. And yeah, people support it. Um, listen to it, share it, uh, retweet the tweets and post um, and, and share the Instagram. Um, posts as well and yeah because it's a very fun pod very chilled relaxed and it's nice man yeah it's great so guys thank you for listening um and we'll be back hopefully at the weekend i don't think it will be me um uh, doing the pod but we'll definitely get marvel jesters to host and get a couple of guests on ryan you're willing you're more than willing to come on if you're available uh for that um but i'll let you guys know um so thank you guys for for listening Keep following the Chelsea. Keep going. Hopefully, we're going to win a couple of cups this season and maybe we'll get the league back. But we'll wait and see. Uh, until next time, stay tuned. Keep listening.